Welcome to Blades Pod. Welcome back to Blades Pod after uh, some delay. It is Monday, the 23rd of May. My name's Ben, and joining me this time is Andrew. He was not available last time, so it's been a good while since we've spoken on here, mate. How's, how's things? All right, mate. Back. Uh, I'd just like to uh, clarify that a lot of people were saying we haven't recorded because I was still too mardy about losing. That is not the case. That okay. I, I would have recorded the, the day after, but other things were in the way. <laughs> That's true. I can't remember what it was. I think my uh, I think my two year old wasn't playing ball with my yeah, something, uh, yeah. O- optimistic attempts to be like she'll be asleep at half past six. We can definitely record then. Yeah, that mm. one's uh, that one's gone out the window, unfortunately. But we're yeah. here now. Uh, Maria, and that's all that counts. Yeah, massive, <laughs> massive credit to my wife for uh, putting it to bed tonight so that we can do this. So, well done. Um, right, we're going to talk uh, in the second half of the podcast. We're going to talk about David McGoldrick, who we've not spoken about yet. The fact that he is very sadly leaving Sheffield United. So, the yeah, the second half we're going to talk. We're going to give our our top McGoldrick moments in in no particular order, but just hitting some. Some of the most memorable bits from his time as a blade, but obviously, mm. um, well, you haven't you haven't been on Blades Pod since we uh, since we played Forest full stop, and I haven't recorded obviously since uh, since the second leg, where regrettably we win. Well, regrettably we win two one on the night <laughs> and get knocked out on penalties. Um, what what where would you like to start, mate? What a uh, what an evening that was. Yeah, I think if you if we had a recording when we thought I'd probably been a bit more raw, but mm. I do personally think it's one of the easier big game defeats to to uh, to accept for me, and I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. One is that I didn't expect, to, especially after that first leg, I'd sort of written it off. So I can't say, oh my god, it's such a shock that we went out because it's not. You know, we were a shock that we got in the playoffs in the first place. So it's easy to take in that sense. And the performance made it a little bit like Hull, you know, in the FA Cup semi-final, mm. where sort of like a glorious failure, which is never mm. that's classic Sheffield United in it—a glorious <laughs> failure. We never just like so obviously I watched it with you, and I said like we can't just lose one nil and just like you know go out sort of just normally. We have to have this amazing like comeback and then still fall the final hurdle. But the only real thing that I can a couple of days down the line that I was sort of bitter about if you like is the fact that the fact that Forrest was so arrogant and we pretty much showed on that night we we are or were as good as him uh, over the two legs but more importantly I think that performance in that second leg deserved more and I think that's the only thing that still sort of sticks in my throat a little bit yeah, I, I I hear where you're coming from. Wow, there's lots of uh, you, you Sorry, hit. I'm rambling. I'm not no, 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 it's great. You you, uh, <laughs> you hit about six or seven things. I want to. I want, kind of wanted to dive into there. I think I'll just start with the glorious failure thing first because I I, mm. I I had made a mental note to bring this up when we recorded, and um, yeah, th- that second leg for me is like exactly what it's like being a Sheffield United fan. Certainly yeah. in the last. Uh, certainly in the time I've been supporting, I think, where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear me out. Anybody who's listened to this, don't don't immediately stop uh, playing this podcast when I say what I'm about to say next. It's not that bad being a Sheffield I'm United off. fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that bad being a Blades fan. Like, we've had some glorious moments in the last 25 years, but it's always like you have a little bit of glory and then it's like now we're going to snatch that away and it's gone you've had your moment now now back into your your misery or whatever but i'd much rather have this than be yeah you know a, a total beige nothing club essentially that just never 
seems to hit any high. So well, this is another thing that made it easier to accept is because I don't think the Premier League are going to be in great fun next season. I understand why the comp, you know, the everything that goes into being in the Premier League, the money and the future of the club would have been better. But talking about the season alone next season, hmm. it didn't excite me. I looked at the Norwich and Watford forums. I was obviously sending you stuff throughout the season, in fact. And they've hated it. And I don't see why we'd be any better than that. And you talk about beige clubs. I think I think it was dead bat on Tufty Club sort of said, your real main ambition, unless you get taken over by someone with lots of money, is to be the next Brighton. And it's, you know, and I'm not, nothing against Brighton. They've done absolutely fantastic. Well, Brighton, billionaire or multi-millionaire owner who pumps 100 million into the club every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that is probably... The best, the best we could hope for is what we did under Wilder, and it, it almost feels like with this group of players and this owner, we've reached the peak of what we can probably do in the Premier League. So it's not. I understand why Forest fans are so excited about getting to Wembley and the, and the prospect of being in the Premier League. But I looked at the Uddersfield forum as well, um, and they were all sort of well, not all, but a lot of them were saying, "Can we just take the money and stay down, please?" And <laughs> you were a bit of that with me. You do want to play the best sides, and it was fantastic that Premier League season. And if Forest go up and Uddersfield go up. Or either of them or the two did go up they're probably not going to have a season like we did that first time and this is where I agree with you that it's not been that bad because there's clubs who will go up to the Premier League and either just finish 14th, 13th every year like Crystal Palace I wouldn't want to be them or they'll do a yo-yo club and they'll have a terrible season and a good season and that ninth place, fin- place finish and I think we've got two promotions in three seasons and then finished ninth in the Premier League I don't think we can really mount to be honest not hugely. That's what I mean. There's, there's, you know, going up in a forest, nobody gave us a prayer, including ourselves in the majority. I, Like you, I I thought we would need uh, a lot of things to go right on the night. And they yeah. kind of did, to be honest, although also uh, also went against us quite significantly yeah. in a few big moments, which I, I, I guess we'll touch on. I thought that was one of the best performances I've ever seen from United in a big game. Mm. Are they right? Because... Everything about it as well. Not, I mean, Forrest might, if they're listening, their fans or whatever, they might laugh at that and say, oh, what are you on about? What I'll say is that, that what really hit home at how well we were doing or how well we have done this season is when they brought Joe Lolly and Keenan Davis on. Yeah. And we looked at our bench and you're thinking, this team has done so incredibly well. And it's going to have to play to 120 minutes. Like the full 11 yeah. is going to have to play 120 yeah. minutes. There's no one else. And people say, well, woe is me, you've got parachute payments. It doesn't really matter about that. The, the, the facts are that we had to play that the end of the season with pretty much the same 11, week in, week out. And if they didn't play, we had to play a young child in like Kyron Gordon or Sariki or someone like that. The the fact that that 11, basically, pretty much, you know, 12 or 13, including Billy Sharp and whoever got injured later on, that they got us into that position and the guts that must have taken and they must have been knackered to turn that game on its head after being 3 I thought we were going to cave in, because I think a lot of teams cave in when you go 3-1 down in a playoff away from home, and you basically at the bare bones. To, to, to come back and do what we did, yeah, genuine actual pride there, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that is a, a big takeaway. We, we just did so, so well, like an absolutely immense effort, effort not just... Not just physically, but uh, you know, in, in terms of playing the actual game, we were brilliant, weren't we? I mean, yeah, we obviously won two one in um, uh, in normal time. Uh, we had multiple other chances. We almost nicked it right at the death with um, a great save from Sambury. We'll obviously talk about in a in a fair bit of detail. 
Forrest, I mean, I, I don't know if you've watched the highlights back particularly, yeah, but yeah, yeah. when um, when Fleck puts us ahead on the night and levels it, the, the you know the camera cuts straight to most of Forrest players, and they they look absolutely gone. gone. Like they just yeah. like they couldn't believe what was happening. And this um, is where I think if we'd have had two decent substitutes on the bench, no offense to Conor Hurahan or did Jefferson come on in the end? I forgot. Uh, no, he was warming up when anybody didn't actually. Yeah, come he on. never it's just, just came Osborne on. And, uh, Osborne and Horan. Osborne obviously came on. If you look, if Billy Sharp were on that bench, or even David McGoldrick, who was not the greatest goal scorer, but I think he could have added something different. I think we win it. Yeah, it's very possible, and that I don't know. I, I was really, really gutted at the loss of pe- loss on penalties. Like, just in a sort of, I, I guess, like what you were saying. I, I just felt like we deserved. We deserve to go through based on how well we played in adversity. Obviously, football doesn't work like that. But that's... Uh, and so, but let's let's be honest, let's be fair to Forrest that they deserve to win the first leg pretty easily as well. Yeah. But I'm, and I know I'm coming at this from uh, with with a massive amount of bias. But as I said, to end that season as we did with the, all the injuries and to come from and everyone talks about Forrest were bottom. I know that I understand that, but they weren't bottom when Heckingbottom took over, and they were far in front of us at one point. And to come back and to get in the playoffs. And now everything's... I, I were really emotional throughout the season, as you are. You, you can't really, I don't think, take a take a logical step back as the season's going on and say, you know what, we're doing all right. You rant and rave because you're that yeah. desperate to get to somewhere. <laughs> Looking back now, and I look back at that run, particularly when Eckenbottom's come in, but then when the injuries hit, Bogle, Sharp, Dids, even McBurney could have done something in this game. I'm not his biggest fan or anything mm. like that, but last fat 10 minutes, injury time, maybe go a bit longer. Who knows what would have happened? Yeah. To, to to have no options and for that 11 with no striker to play like that after the, the first half of the season that we'd had I, yeah I can't fault them yeah do you know we've given we've given some of the best teams in this division quite a good game at times this season I know that Forest outplayed us probably two and a half times out of three but obviously we uh very much had the number in this one. We obviously uh, did the double over Fulham. We yeah. uh, we beat Luton at home, didn't we? Drew with them away. We should have should have probably beat Bournemouth twice and ended up getting one point. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Referee, yeah, yeah. So team turned up in big games. We just gave ourselves too much to do in the end, and mm. and didn't have the resources to call on. I mean, I I, I said this. Uh, I was you know gutted as I was when we lost on penalties. I did I did think we. Unless we won in ninety minutes, yeah. like as soon as we went two one up on the night, I, I really thought we. Had you were to saying win. this all the way through, in fact, well, because obviously I watched it, and you were saying we need to win it now, we need to win it now, and yeah, extra, this is not hindsight speaking from you. Thank you, appreciate that. Extra time, uh, <laughs> extra time was just going to play into Forest's hands. Obviously, it, you know, it will do anyway, being the home team, and that's the, uh, you know, that's the reward you get for finishing high up in the league, so you get your second leg at home. But yeah, with our very limited squad that had given quite a lot of effort in the first leg as well. I mean, Ajay, it, that was the first time he completed 90 minutes on Saturday, yeah. and then here he is on Tuesday. He goes 120 minutes and takes a penalty yeah. as well. Like, and this is the thing, look, he had the best chance and all this sort of stuff, but I think it's fair to say in the last 15 minutes on the in the first leg, he wasn't, he would play, he was on the pitch, but hmm. he wasn't really involved. And in, in injury time, he looked knackered, and he did, he did really well to carry on and stuff, and I'm not knocking him at all. But again, you just don't, you can't help thinking, maybe... If one of our strikers had been fit, even if that's McBurney, that could have been different. Could have been. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be objective with this because I've obviously been very clear about how much of a fan I am of Enjai. Um, mm. I don't blame him for those two missed chances at all. Like, no. I really don't. I think he, 
I think they're just amazing bits of goalkeeping. So the, the first one, a brilliant break from Gibbs White and a great ball as well, of course. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what more you can ask and Jai to do. He obviously, you know, hits it pretty firmly towards goal and Samba just happens to uh, do the first of his Peter Schmeichel impressions on the night. <laughs> night makes himself enormous and parries yeah. it with his arm. And then the second one, which is... I mean, what was this like? Hundred and fifteenth minute. It was there was hardly any time to go in it. The second one in particular, I think he does nothing wrong. Oh, he's so unlucky. I, and this is why I'm really high on him because he has started. He's it's really noticeable how often he's getting into those positions now, like to miss those chances as well as take yeah, them, yeah. like proper poacher Billy Sharp style positioning. And that one is, you know, all he can do really is flick it towards goal, and again he gets a good contact on it, yeah. and it's. It's the studs of Samba in it who just, you know, just basically throws his body into a, as wide a shape as possible. And That's yeah. the thing. Rather than the penalties for me, when I woke up the day after gutted, it was that chance rather than the penalties that made me feel a bit sick, if you know what I mean. That was mm. the one where I thought, I mean, penalties, anything, you know, you can say it's bad technique, and, and it is, but anyone can miss a penalty, and it just, you know, it happens. That chance is so unusual not to go in. Yeah. And through no fault of of the uh, enjoys, in my opinion, I was jumping about in the pub like an yeah, idiot. Like as yeah. soon as he, as soon as the ball landed to enjoy, I, I was already on my feet. But uh, yeah. yeah, an unbelievable save. And uh, yeah, enjoy. He had uh, a big hand in in both goals. If you um, yeah. if you remember, like at the start of the move. And again, this is where I just think he's so talented. That he's so strong, and he does stay on his feet. I mean, if if you remember in the first goal, I think he. He could probably have gone down. I don't think he would have got a foul for it. But he's like sort of shoulder to shoulder with Cook, I think it is. Yeah. And he stays on his feet, keeps possession. He gets recycled to Berger, who uh, does what Berger does, gets to the byline with ease and uh, pulls yeah. it across for Gibbs-White to stick away. Uh, and the second one as well, he gets fouled in the lead-up but manages to to play it into um, a teammate who sets Baldock away, who uh, probably Brilliant. Baldock's best bit of attacking... Uh, of the season, including his wonder yeah. goal, I would say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, we were all sat there, obviously, thinking... I mean, I don't think we said this out loud, but I think every United fan's thinking, well, this is going to their defender. <laughs> 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 Might get a corner out of this. Absolutely fantastic. And then flackable people popping up in the six-yard box. That's probably the first time he's been in the six-yard box all season, isn't it, Flick? Yeah. Is his second goal, were it? I think. I think his second goal is... Um, I'll try and you bring this... You had some this, didn't you? Yeah. The amount of shots he's had is like... It's it's kind of pathetic. I think he'd had like nineteen shots in about you know the entire season, basically, which is mm. it's, it's kind of uh, counterintuitive in terms of what I think about Fleck in terms of you know his, his offensive output. But yeah, it, great to see him popping up in the box uh, just when we needed it. I suppose a massive goal, and yeah, Forrest completely um, shell shocked at that point, weren't they? And, yeah, you know, yeah. You're just thinking if only. If only we could have sort of carved out one more chance. There was that one where I think it was Gibbs White sent it to the back post and then Jai couldn't quite control yeah. the finish. And yeah. there's Jackie, Jackie Long throw and his brilliant Klingsman dive <laughs> right God. at the end where you're thinking, just take goalkeeper and put it in. But yeah, I mean, that would have been incredible if he had scored. But like I say, the, at the time I was saying I'd have rather have just lost 1-0 because it was that gutting to go out that way. In hindsight, I'm really, really glad that we didn't because I think that... That, that I mean, I've, well, I don't want to go into next season this year. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. But I think it's a, another sort of tick next to this team probably isn't finished, mm. which is what I said it would yeah, be. Man. And everyone's going to talk about they know Gibbs White, probably no Berger, whatever. 
But there's still a good caller, and I think they sh- they show- they've shown that at the-, the second half of the season. Yeah, they had bad games, and yeah, we we definitely need to improve in certain positions. But you know, if Egan stays, Norwood, even Fleck, I thought come back into it towards the end of the season. There's a good caller, and to play like that in that circumstance away at Forest does give me help for next season. Yeah, absolutely. To me, this is not. Um... This isn't the, oh, it's United, they've botched the playoffs again, you know, add it to no, the catalogue. No, not at all. This is why it's easier to take for me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think you said, uh, I, I know you were tongue-in-cheek, but I think you said a new way to lose afterwards. Yeah. And uh, you're right, it's our first away win in the playoffs at our ninth attempt. And um, mm. yeah, for me, it's the certainly the most valiant playoff defeat we've been involved in. I know some people might turn their noses up and have a bit of a, you know, a sneer at that, like, you know, always yeah, the bridesmaid yeah, and all that. Yeah. But yeah, we... We really did as we did more than I expected us to do. I thought we, you know, I, I think Bulldog had a a much better game than I was expecting. Norrington Davis, that's got to be his best game as a United player. I mean, he did Brilliant. a magnificent job on Spence. Like, I, I really yeah. don't want that to go unmentioned. I thought, um, you know, after a, Spence gave him a really tough twenty five thirty minutes when we played um, Forest at home in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he didn't do very much at all for the rest of the game. Spence obviously uh, had had Stevens and Robinson in all kinds of bother last Saturday. Norrington Davis yeah. just made him a peripheral figure and and also contributed going forward. I thought so. Yeah, that's a big tick for him, I reckon, against a very very tough opponent in the biggest spot of the season, if you like. Yeah, I thought it were absolutely. Fine. I actually, it might have even got my man of the match based on who we were up against. If you know what I mean, I think that it's, you know Spencer's caused problems for people all season, and I think he were it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. He did well going forward. Uh, I think it, it, going forward, Stevens had an absolute nightmare. I felt against Forrest in the first leg. Mm. I think it's Norrington Davis's shit because he can only get better, and he's not he's not the finished article, but. I think he's a good defender, actually, and I think he's improved as well. You think how, how bad his displays were under Yukanovic earlier in the season. He has got better and better. He's gone on. He, he was probably a little bit unlucky to lose his place when Stevens came back, but I think next season he starts as first-choice left wing-back. Yeah, interesting to see what happens with Max Lowe. I, I just hope one of these, you know, one of those three, if you like. I mean, I doubt all three will still be here, um, although... yeah. They might well be actually, because that'll just that's probably contingent on whether Max Lowe's here or not. Because yeah, I, I yeah. don't see anyone signing Stevens, and obviously will persist with Nottingham Davis. I just want one of those to like actually definitively <laughs> claim the shirt, so we don't yeah, have to do this yeah. every three games. Essentially, like eh, maybe we should give Stevens a go now. And that's it. And that that's the thing with both of them. They've both got attributes, but uh, but they've also got massive <laughs> problems with the game as well. I think the fact that Norton Davis is 22, I think, you know, mm-hmm. putting a performance like that in a massive game as well definitely bodes well for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, Bulldog, I was really low on at half time just in terms of like, oh, God. Not that he'd been bad, but. Just, just never got forward. Yeah. yeah and I was just thinking, oh, how are we. Because um, uh, maybe it was a deliberate tactic because Basham barely got forward in that first half mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, so maybe we were like, let's just, you know, stay in the tie, basically, don't overcommit. Um, and that didn't go particularly well because we were one nil down with a um, yeah. yeah pretty straightforward ball over the Another top. Another ball over the top. I was, I was furious at the time with that, thinking because we started the, we were the better team in the first half, and that I think that was their only shot. Maybe they had another one. The first can't really remember to be fair, but they had a long we, ranger that went. I mean, it was pretty comfortably wide. Like after they scored. Yeah, that's right. We went went to pieces a little, not pieces, but we do that sometimes happens when you get a goal, they, yeah. you know, confidence and stuff, but. 
Yeah, we were unlucky to go in at one nil down. I felt. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I've been impressed with Surridge. You know, the last couple, of, the two playoff yeah. games. I think he's yeah. he's pretty canny. Like, yeah, and it's him that makes that run. He's you know multiple times at it in the home like He stays on side. Robinson is uh, behind Brennan Johnson, unfortunately, who uh, yeah buries it past uh, past Fodringham. Yeah, I thought I thought we were dead and buried there, but then once it got to half time, I, I was thinking if we can get the next goal. Yeah, I do think they will panic, and I I do think that did happen. You know, we to score and so early. I think as well. I've seen Forest three times do this. I don't watch Forest a lot, but mm. in the in the game against us at our ground, we scored first, and they went to pieces basically, and they scored with a corner at the end. You know, but they didn't deserve that based on the last the, the previous twenty minutes. I saw them against Bournemouth where they went to pieces in the second half when Bournemouth got on top. And they went to pieces in this game as well. I think if Huddersfield can get an early goal in that playoff final, it'd be really interesting to see how Forrest react. Mm. Well, do you remember the back else? pass? When we yeah. went 2-1 yeah. up? Yeah. I thought that were in. I were up. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah. I think it was Steve Cook, wasn't it? it yeah. Like a 50-yard back pass that the keep goes wider the goalkeeper and trickles wider the goal. That would have been one of the all-time great shooting yeah. in the feet Daddy moments. Baker would have been back out his own goals and gas videos really just for that <laughs> he would have done he would have done right I've got to give a Forest player some credit mate um, that goalkeeping performance by Brees Samba probably one of the best goalkeeping performances I've seen against us all things considered like I reckon I've I reckon there's probably been the odd game where it, you know we've absolutely battered someone and they've just like pulled out save after save after save mm. but given what was at stake and throwing in the penalties as well. Yeah. He is the reason they're at Wembley and we're not. And ultimately I just have to, you know, tip my cap, tip my carefully labeled drinks bottle in his direction. <laughs> Cause he yeah. was brilliant when he, if we're being the honest. only, the only performance in that, uh, goalkeepers we've come up against who I can sort of compare it to is Kevin Pressman every time mm. <laughs> they played Wednesday. Very similar to that in the sense that you just, it's not that I didn't feel, oh, we're never going to beat him, but he pulled some great saves off. And then when it got to pens, it did feel like, I suppose, like I'm probably talking in hindsight, but I suppose he must have been really confident going into those pens because he had a fantastic game. Mm. Fudd had done nothing all match. He had mm. nothing to do. One near post save, I think, in extra time, and that were it. And Samba's obviously been pulling all these saves. I've kept him in it. He must have been feeling top of the world when it came to pens. Yeah, and he is a good goalkeeper. I said that. Um, yeah, he had a terrible game in the first leg, which were really strict. I, I think he's a great keeper. Every time I've seen him, and I thought, well, God, he's having a nightmare. This guy, mm. you know, get some more crosses in and stuff, but brilliant in the second leg. Yeah, for the season as a whole, he was uh, he's in the top five for Opta's um, goals prevented rate. So he's like him, him and Fodringham have been like two of the best five keepers in the league all season. So yeah, but he he, he did look suspect, didn't he, in that first leg um, from. Uh, long throws and corners. Obviously, we scored from one. I won't clear off the yeah. line, but as a pure shot stopper, is really is like one of the best in the division. And yeah, there's. I, I really think those two saves from Njai were just magnificent bits of goalkeeping. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, so the penalties. I don't want to. I, I don't well, want to watch him, as you know. You didn't, I know. Did you, where did you go? I never actually well, interrogated. You know what? I, I meant to walk out just to get my thoughts together, and I got a bit lost. <laughs> Uh, and I, I couldn't find the gateway to get back in the pub. And then... <laughs> Wait, uh, this, this is, not this exactly is true. I'm not told labyrinth. about this. Yeah, I went out and I thought, right, I'm just going to have a walk round. I, I reminded of uh, Josh Whittaker on quickly. Kevin said when England went to penalties against Colombia, 
He put his earphones on, listened to Three Lions, and just walked in the park until it were over. So I thought, I'm going to do that. And then I thought, right, now I'm going to watch him. And then I couldn't find my way back. So by the time I got back, it were, we were already two and all down. It's slipped into <laughs> the ninth dimension. Yeah, I've watched them back since. Okay. Yeah. If I'd have gone the other way, we might have won. Yeah, I thought you just... You know I mean, I... it might be one of those weird... I thought you just bottled it and stayed outside, bottled it. Oh dear. I've been, you know, I've been mulling over a bottled it uh, podcast title all week. Yeah. I thought people might get the wrong idea and think that I'm suggesting you know, I bottled it. I bottled I it. Yeah. I mean, I did the same when England went to penalties against Italy. It just don't work. But then again, I watched us against Huddersfield and that didn't work. So it's just. <laughs> it just don't work, basically. <laughs> Whatever just you do. Work, watching, work. leaving. I came back in, we missed one as well. So. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't want to. What's the word here? I don't want to retrospectively give too much credit to like mind games and uh, preparation or anything here. I'm. I have a feeling we were probably doing. I have no doubt in my mind that Fodringham had an idea of which way uh, yeah. most of Forest penalties are likely to go. Like, there's no way yeah. we didn't prepare for that. But obviously, we've seen the photo of um, Samba's bottle, which uh, not only has a good go at predicting the order of our penalty takers but also which way that they are going to go and what you should do so yeah i see a lot of people there saying how did he know the order well i think i could have probably predicted the order yes yeah, it's, it's the order of people who take our penalties basically yeah i mean yeah. Urahan, i know he's never taken one for us but i have seen him take penalties before for ireland and stuff so yeah. it's not unusual that he took one gibbs white i think he took one for england this this season in fact so that weren't mm. unusual either uh, we should also say that uh, Steve Cooper obviously managed both Gibbs White and Hurahan last season at Swansea. So, oh, of course, I know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't clock that. Yeah. I'm sure he's. Uh, I'm sure he's had plenty of experience watching those two tip penalties. I don't think he would have. Oh, you could see Gibbs White. So, I was going to say Gibbs White at um, England Youth or whatever it was, but I don't know if mm. he was playing from then. Anyway, um, yeah, Samba Samba had it all down. He had dive dive right for uh, Norwood, stand for Hurahans, and. Yeah, once you miss those first two, I, I just thought we were stuffed, basically. I think the Hooraham pen's a, a good eye, as they say. I, I do think it's one of those. It's a good save as well, in fairness. Mm. I think once the keeper guesses the right way with a pen like that, he's going to save it. Yeah. I think the Hooraham one, I, I'm not... I think going straight down the middle is not necessarily a bad way to take a penalty a lot of the times because nine times out of ten, the keeper does move. Yeah. I watched uh, England versus Portugal penalties for some reason. It came up on my YouTube highlights. Remember when we lost uh, on penalties to those in the, <laughs> which, in the which Euro? Time? I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. 2008? 2004, I think it were. Four, of course, yeah. And I think four of England's six successful penalties went straight down the middle. So it, it sort of it looks bad when, it, when you miss, and it... But he blasts it. I don't know. I think it could have gone anywhere. He does well, Sam, but to keep his hand up. But if yeah. that goes in off the ball, you think you might have just got too much power behind it. I think he's a little bit unlucky with that one, personally. I think he is. I, I don't want to really dwell on penalties too much because they're uh, as in the actual like the technique of taking these penalties. Because mm. sometimes players miss. I mean, look, if if Samba goes the wrong way, which or we change our mind and go a different way, yeah, then, yeah, you yeah. Know, they go in the back of the net. So it's weird. This is what I mean. The, the better people, the, talking in England, Portugal, that always brings me to, to the World Cup one where Lampard and Gerard, who I don't think before that I've ever seen miss a penalty. Yeah. Them two missed a pen. It happens. I'm not sort of, I don't think people have said, oh, if Billy Sharp were on, you never know. We've got that fit. He might have missed. You know what I mean? It, you know, who knows? Yeah. And uh, I, I wasn't too bummed. Well, obviously I was, but. You know, seeing Gibbs White miss, it wasn't like the, oh, no. what a heartbreak. Because obviously, 
I mean, I, I, I bet if you could have got, well, of course it could be, if you got live odds on us at the point where Steve Cook was stepping up to take his penalty, yeah, it would have been yeah. very, very long odds. We needed a miracle at that stage because we yeah, needed him to miss, then we needed us to score, score yeah. and then them to miss, and then us to score. I yeah. mean, you, you do see it, but it's very unlikely. Once you miss your first two penalties, it's, I don't know the odds, but I imagine there's only us, in fact, probably in the entire history uh, <laughs> when Huddersfield missed their first two penalties. Uh, probably yeah. the only team ever to win a penalty shoot after that. Yeah, but. indeed. Uh, obviously, sad that that's Gibbs White's last action as a blade, but um, I don't know. It's not. It's not a sour note. It hasn't really tainted anything for me. You know, no, what like I mean, I say, like, it's a penalty. People it's not going to go down that. in infamy because of that, is it? It's not like Steve Simonson, for example. No, no, and like I say, I don't think anybody looks back at Gerard's England career and thinks, oh, man, when he missed that pen. And you know what I mean? It, it's just one of those things. It happens, and it's it's got him because it were him. But as you say, it's not – wasn't like it, – it, we felt like we'd lost after the first two pens, so it were, you were already sort of relaxing into that, we've lost. So it, I imagine that if it were 4-4 and then he missed, it might have been felt a little bit different. But if we'd already missed two, so – yeah, Hurahan's last action as a blade, almost certainly, I would have thought. Possibly, well, probably Sanderberger's last action. He obviously did score his penalty. Um, yeah. But I guess we will get into that during the summer. Um, I just want to give a quick hat tip to Michael Oliver, the referee. Who, Brilliant. I think there is like a very small amount of actually good referees, and then there's a melange of, like, referees you don't really notice or remember the names of mm. and then there's an absolute disaster class of referees well, can i just tell you something here because i didn't do a view from so too mad and i didn't think anyone would want to listen but i did have a look just in case because i thought you know if, if there's anything there that's worth putting up but they were they're all just celebrating but there was a ref there was a thread on the referee on their forum and to a man they all thought you were terrible mike oliver okay i'm 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 actually quite surprised at that like did yeah. they give any reasons? I thought he... I they thought just he... said we were cynical, you know, we were diving in, he, he, he didn't give anything, he should have sent Robinson off, he should have done... I, I was I was looking at it thinking, you lot are mad. Because <laughs> <laughs> this... we lost the game, I'm not being biased, I don't think he was biased towards us or, or biased towards them or anything. Yeah. I think he let a really tense game go as well as it, you know, flow as well as it can. But imagine if you're getting cards out for some of the things that they wanted people being booked for, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah, Brennan Johnson spent a lot. I mean, he's another player who's just going to fit right into the Premier League whenever he's, yeah. whichever team he's playing for next season in the Premier League. But yeah, amount of time he hit the deck. Yeah, this is maybe this is the fan referee experience right here, mate. You and I thought he had a great game, and uh, fans of the other team thought he was terrible. But I just want to. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about what happened with Sharp because I just find it so depressing to talk about. It is. I, I just like that. That's all I've. <clears throat> excuse me. That's all I've got to say about it. I didn't, um, <clears throat> I, I didn't know about it until the next day when I woke up and it was like the first thing I saw and it was just like, oh man, just so, it's just quite upsetting in every respect. And obviously really. since then as well, you know, we saw Robin Olsen yesterday again. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing happened <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, like you say, people have covered it in more, I don't think anyone really wants to listen to us to say what everyone else has been saying. Yeah. Other than seeing the Simon Jordan who seems to think that <laughs> it, United somehow deserved it. But... <laughs> goading the, the Forest family. It's just like, so every time Jamie Vardy stands in front of us when he scores, I'm allowed to go out and headbutt him. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got something stuck in my throat, but um, it, it obviously would be remiss to mention that McBurney is uh, 
involved in something at the moment. Of course um, he is. In the fallout from that. <laughs> yep. Uh, what was it? I sent you the day. He's averaging one arrest per season with us so far in his, <laughs> in his United career. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll talk more about that if more details emerge. But I have a feeling they probably won't, to be honest. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's all I want to say about that because I, I just yeah I found the whole thing so depressing. I, I, the only thing I will say, I guess, on top of that is I thought the way United handled it was really, really good, like far better than I really thought any club could handle it in terms of, yeah. you know, um, Hercule Bottom. in particular. Say again, sorry? Billy Sharp in particular himself as well. Mm-hmm. He just said, you know, I have lots of respect for, the, respect for the Forest fans. One mindless idiot. He congratulated Forest and, you know, said it was an amazing night of football. And, yeah, he it, it, it just he made sure it didn't become a thing. And I, I thought, you know, United, uh, Heckingbottom as well, had just said, you know, we're dis- mm. like, he basically said we're really angry about it, but it will be dealt with. And that was it. There was no... This is a disgrace. We need to look into retrospective punishment. Which is, for which is ironic because the Forest fans seem to think it a disgrace from us because of when Heckingbottom, which we probably should mention. Well, that's it. This is sorry. This is what I'm, I'm building oh, up towards. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're right to you're right to call it out. Um, this is what I'm building up towards with my Michael Oliver praise. Is I thought Heckingbottom was very fortunate not to be sent off for what he did, yeah, which should have been sent off. Which was. Um, I mean, it was antagonistic, wasn't it? It was. It was an aggressive action. He, you know, slammed the ball into um, uh, Spencer's midriff in a very pointed, get on with the game kind of way. Mm. Could easily have been sent off for it. And I, I, I just thought a lot of credit to Oliver for not sending him off because I do think things would have escalated from there. It was obviously the first yeah, half. Okay. I think he took a sensible course of action that maybe didn't follow the letter of the law. But I think the rest of the game probably benefited from him not sending Heckingbottom off. I think it would have really escalated from there. So, yeah. you know, it's a bit different to, you know, if that had been one of our players, like, on the pitch, like, I think the complaints are more justified in terms of, like, okay, you have to send him off because we would have got an on-pitch advantage for us if, uh, you know, United player had been sent off. It's a bit different if you just tell the hecking bottom to go and sit in the change room and it's not yeah 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 it's not that I, big a deal it was it was it was you could i suppose you could argue and say it worked maybe it rattled him i don't know but yeah, you know, maybe the, the idea that that was the catalyst for what happened to billy sharp is oh the pitch invasion is outrageous i mean god knows what they were like when they come up against warnock if you think that was <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. warnock sort of admits in his book that against liverpool at home and the uh, semi-final uh, League Cup mm. that we were getting battered and he thought I'm going to try and get the, the crowd riled up so he started having a go at Steve Thompson basically for no reason and, you know as part of the you know the underhand tactics if you like but yeah I think it, it was bad from him I'm not going to I'm certainly not going to defend what he did because he should have been sent off but mm. to even compare it to what happened to Sharpie I just think he's just complete what about away from people who can't accept that their club has an element of idiots like we all, all of clubs have mm-hmm Indeed. Um, yeah, so a, a sour note, I guess. Like, I think that, in a weird way, probably affected me a bit more than the fact that we'd lost. Like, when I woke up the next morning and saw that, I was like, oh, man, that's so... It's just so bleak. Like, obviously, I felt awful yeah. for Sharp. And I guess I also saw what was about to come, if you like, in terms of, like, well, what about this? And Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just one person, blah, blah, blah. Every every team's fan. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't want to get pulled into this, and I've got pulled into it, so I'm going to... But it is, because it is annoying, because I think everyone... And look, we'd have had fans exactly the same as the Forest fans are doing. Mm-hmm. You sort of... 
you're sort of forgiving or letting off someone for something that's clearly wrong and they'll say i know it was wrong but no there's there is no but you know yeah. what i mean you if you if you sort of i don't know say something i've got no right to headbutt you whatever you do to me unless you strike me first you know what i mean and the fact that if you know, if we were playing a football game and your manager throws a ball at someone and I can come up to you and... Do you know what I mean? It's just just stop with the, the what about or in nonsense, really. Yep, well said. Um, did it, do, we, do you want to talk season as a whole? Should we do season as a whole a different time? Well, I'm just conscious of time on well, this I'm, one. I'm quite, I'm quite up for... Obviously, we'll do our player ratings and stuff. I think checking mm-hmm. out where Nick's is, actually. They're, they're doing theirs tonight. So I'll keep them, I, I might, in fact, I'm not going to bother watching that for a bit because... <laughs> I don't want to influence mine. Nothing against Alan. Mate, <laughs> this is like your punishment. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not watching that Screw rubbish. Guys. Uh, I just don't want it to influence my own my own ratings. But yeah. just as a whole, I thought it were a really odd season. It, yeah. All season, I felt it were going to end with us not getting in the playoffs. And then once we got in the playoffs, I was just happy. But then I was still gutted. It was bizarre. We've done really well. I think it'll. It, I, I personally think it'll be season a season we look back on with with a bit of, with a lot of fondness actually. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. No, no, I, I, I have been trying to think about this over the last few days because I see, um, you know, I saw a lot of people uh, on Twitter after afterwards who were saying, you know, was, that was a, a an amazing season and um, you know, gave us our identity back and brought a lot of pride back to how I feel about United and stuff. And I'm not saying I don't feel like that, but I don't know. It's, it's odd. I'm glad you said odd. That's kind of how I feel it about is it. Odd. Like. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, it could be seen as a stepping stone season or it yeah. could just be like a one last hurrah. But I I don't know. I'm not really telling anybody anything new there. I don't no, think. No, it I... is bizarre. I, I, the, the best way I can describe it is I'm really sad it's ended. And yeah. I've not always felt that, to be honest. I know it was different with the Premier League season because there were no fans there, but I can't wait for that season to end. Mm-hmm. There's other seasons where I've just... Uh, the Atkins season, I'm just like four games to go. Can we just... I just want to go home. I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? This one, not just because of the way they went up, that were actually the biggest sort of gut wrench of all. It's like, mate, it felt a little bit like a World Cup. You know when a World Cup's over? Mm. And you're like, oh, what am I going to do now? I'm really enjoying that. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, it's finished now. And I suppose that tells a story that it was a good season because I, I, if the season started again next week, I'd be absolutely delighted. And mm. a lot of sounds of United, the season ends, and I just want to get rid of him out of my head for a month or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm nodding along. I think you've, you've summarised it perfectly there. Yeah, I'm I'm really, uh, I'm just sad that there's no more games to go to, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and, and roll on next season. That's, yeah, that is another thing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for next season already, which I'm, as you say, I'm not often like that. I think... I think even when we got promoted to the Premier League, I was a bit like, ooh, I don't want yeah. to... I'm not, in fact, I think we said it. I'm not even going to think about the Premier League yeah. for another few months. Like, I'm just enjoying the moment, yeah. whereas now I'm like, right, I'm already reading about Brewster getting closer to fitness, this kind of thing. Mm. I'm always thinking like, well, I wonder, you know... See, there's a lot of doom and gloom about that as well. You know, as soon as we... Oh, that's it. There'll be a fire sale and stuff. There's not going to be a fire sale for the simple reason that not <laughs> many people want our players, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, I don't think Certainly so. not going to pay him as much as we're paying him. You know, we might lose some players. I think no, uh, I think Njai, Berger and Egan are the big three, I'd say. Obviously, we've lost Gibbs-White. If we sell all them, yeah. yeah, I agree. That's big trouble, but I don't think we will. I think we'll probably lose a couple. But people are also... It's all about the transfer window, and it's all about can we get... When we've done it before, we did it under Wilder. You know, we we did it. Warnock did it to a, to a good degree. Luton have done it this season. Huddersfield have done it this season. 
smart scouting and smart signings can make, although we're going to lose our best player in Gibbs White, we could be an all-round better side, especially if we can keep clear of injuries, which I expect we will because we'll have a proper pre-season for a kickoff. So I expect us to start better. And the biggest sort of excitement of all for me, the three teams coming down, I don't think any of them are as good as Fulham and Bournemouth. I think you're probably right. We will we'll certainly see. But uh, yeah, I, I would I would take that bet for sure. Um, yeah, and also we know who the manager is this this going into this summer, which we didn't last summer. And obviously, Jukanovic didn't start until very late. And we had a very muddled uh, transfer approach in that window yeah. as well. Whereas, yeah, everything's everything's lined up to basically be smarter this summer. I mean, obviously, it's a question yeah. of actually doing it now, but. Yeah, the, we've got a good call. I'd see like teams saying, uh, you know, pe- people rightly say, but well, we've got no money, and I get that. But we have spent money, and we have got players who cost money and are on good money. It's not like we're starting from scratch with no, no. money. It's play- the base you, you, you is trade there. your players, don't you? You, know, you trade Burger for three cheaper starters, essentially. Yeah. Which, like, and that's it. And the, the biggest thing for me is the loans because this oh, season yeah. the loans would. Other than Gibbs White, Gibbs White were one of the best ever loan signings. The other three, were it three? Who were uh, Ben Davis. Sorry, say again, Hurrahan, Ben Davis, Olsen, Charlie Good. Oh, Charlie Good, yeah. Basically, the, the fact that two of them were sat on the bench in the final, the biggest game of the season, and there were no arguments that they were sat on the bench, and the fact that the other two were back at, you know, at different clubs completely... That were a bit of a disastrous window. When you look at Forrest, who had Keenan Davis and the guy from Watford, uh, who begins with Z. Zinkenagel. Zinkenagel. Spence. Spence. Max Lowe, obviously, were playing for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Garner. Yeah, yeah. That's five unbelievable loan signings Forrest have got there. We got one. We need to be better than that. Not saying be as good as Forrest in that, you know, because that were fantastic from them to get those five Mm -hmm. on loan to, to come straight into their first team. We got one who were a first-team regular in Gibbs-White, yeah. and we need to be better than that this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great shout. Right, mate, we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to talk about one of my favourite players of all time, David McGoldrick, after this break. Hello, BladesPod listener. A quick break to tell you about sponsor of this podcast. It is, of course, NordVPN. I use NordVPN to encrypt my own traffic on web and mobile, meaning I never need to worry about unsecure websites, or apps, or public Wi-Fi connections. Great for me if I'm working on the move, which I very much enjoy doing around Sheffield and savouring all the many excellent coffee shops that will indulge my presence. Uh, NordVPN also make it very easy for me to switch my virtual location with just a single click. Gives me access to all kinds of streaming platforms that are not available in the UK, like Netflix overseas, Hulu, you name it. Maybe particularly relevant for people who like to watch games of football that may otherwise not be viewable in the UK. Now, NordVPN have a special offer for BladesPod listeners. You can get your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash bladespod or using the code BLADESPOD when you sign up and you will get a 73% discount off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift as well. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The bonus gift I mentioned is a brand new feature called Threat Protection, which is anti-malware, protects your devices from malicious ads and pop-ups, phishing sites, and viruses. So head to nordvpn.com slash bladespod now and try NordVPN risk-free. Thank you for listening. Now let's get back to the podcast. 
and we're back. And uh, yeah, the season is over, and unfortunately, so is the career of David McGoldrick as a Sheffield United player. Very, very sad, but not unexpected to see that we were not renewing his contract. Did you eat same along the same lines with yeah, that? Yeah, I think I think it's the right decision, but a hard decision because. Mm. I mean, by the sounds of it, he's not going to be fit for the start of next season because we're we're letting him get his fitness back, aren't we? Uh, uh, With United, yeah. Yeah, so he looks like he's nowhere near, you know, ready to to be playing next season. He'll be on all right money, not not amazing, but good money, I think. And it's the right decision, but it, it's I think in ten years' time, if someone says who's your favourite Sheffield United player, not best favourite, I'll probably mm. say him. It's got to be up there. Um... So his, his stats, 136 United games played, 30 goals scored, which surprised me, actually. I I thought he'd scored more than that, but I, I suppose goal scoring perhaps wasn't his total forte. <laughs> uh, 12 yeah. assists. He was signed on a free in 2018. He was player of the year in 2019. He was one of our key players in 2020, and he was player's player of the year in 2021. Didzy. It's, uh, it's sad to see him go. I love that Gibbs White... Did the sort of bicep yeah. flex celebration to yeah, him yeah, yeah, yeah. when he scored against Forrest as well. That, um, I didn't and... notice at the time, actually. I was like, mm. already after, I thought, oh, of course, yeah. Because I was just like, obviously, that into the into the match. But, yeah, fantastic, that. Yeah, and, and you know, it's sort of a bit of an easy cliche when you've got, like, a veteran player that, you know, oh, he's such a great great guy to have around the dressing room and stuff like that. Mm. But I, I do believe it with him. Like, when everyone yeah. says that and everyone does say that, I do believe that that is true for McGoldrick. So... Just as a sort of uh, our tribute to David McGoldrick, I wanted to just just give our our top McGoldrick moments from his time as a Sheffield United player. Or I, mm. you know, I won't say these are like in order of like the absolute what was his high point as a blade because I've got a few sort of hipster choices in here as well. Yeah, um, yeah, we're going to go in no particular. I've got five with a couple of backups as well to try and give us some variety. So hopefully yeah. this will be like the definitive. McGoldrick moments for United and uh, I would like you to go first Do you know what so I'll start with a hipster's choice Please do The first thing when you asked me to do this that came to mind was his unbelievable through ball against Ipswich um, mm. on the day that we well, we didn't get promoted but you know what I mean we like pretty much secure promotion and I that was such a good pass the vision there and I, we're always having a really good time anyway we're already winning 1-0 and then he did that and it was just like Oh, this is a good team. You know, this is not just like a Warnock four four two get it in box. This is a good, skillful team, and I think he epitomised that. It, there were a lot of things about that Wilder team that got labelled as that were wrong, and a lot of it. I remember Paul Parker, the regimented, the four four two, and all this nonsense. And people thought we were just an up and under team, and basically, because we're English managed with cheap players. And I think McGoldrick sort of was the player more than anyone. Him and Duffy who took us away from that. And you say, hang on. These guys are really skillful, and that pass against Ipswich, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I hadn't got that on my list. I'd not, I'd not thought to include that, but that was an absolutely incredible ball, wasn't it? Like, uh, oh, it was one of them. You're like, I felt a tire like it. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah, Baldock couldn't quite control it, could he? Like, Baldock was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing pass from uh, from a goldie. That's a great shout. Um, I'm gonna go. I'll. I'll I'll chuck out, I think this is my favourite McGoldrick goal, although you'll probably say something, I'd change my mind, but his second goal at Hull City that put us right in the box seat for promotion. So 
we'd already gone 1-0 up from a McGoldrick header with one of our uh, clever set-piece routines where he managed to get a free free run at the ball. And then just a few minutes later, he pulls this ball down out of the sky as a touch, sees that George Long is slightly out of position and just curls one into the back of the net from 25 yards. And I, I was in the ground, I had a perfect view of it to the degree where pretty much as soon as I hit it I, was, I thought there's no way the keeper's getting that like it's it's on target keeper's not getting it it's going to be 2-0 and um yeah it was an amazing feeling seeing it at the net there's, the best um, thing about that whole performance from him as a whole is obviously Shark were injured hmm. and we, I think we're all obviously got stuck up against Millwall and I think we were all a little bit worried sort of thinking well Hogan's not really pulled up any trees Medine's not you know he's not a goal scorer he does a job but he's and in the biggest game up at that point, away at Hull, he bangs two goals in. And yeah. as we've said, goal scoring is not his, not what he's known for, certainly not his best attribute, but to, to step up when Sharp were injured and, and put in a performance like that and get two goals, phenomenal. Yeah, it was a mind-blowing moment for me. I've got this, um, you can see me and my brother on the... Uh... Like on the on the crowd uh, during like afterwards, like the crowd reaction shots, and we've both like we've both basically got our, our heads in our hands because we're just like, <laughs> what, have, what have we just witnessed there? That was amazing. Um, what else have you got? I said the biggest moment for him was the Brentford goal at home. Mm. I think that's the most mad we'll ever celebrated a goal by him. Anyway, mm. um, obviously everyone will know one and all down to ten men. Brentford, let's be honest, we're battering us. <laughs> We're pretty much the team they've got now, including Morpai. And Ben uh, Rama. And Ben Rama, yeah, fantastic Brentford side, and we stuck in and we stuck in. And then to get a goal off a corner, the noise levels, unbelievable, unbelievable. And it's one of those sort of goals that I can watch forever, I think. Yeah, down to 10 men as well, obviously. I, think yeah. I, I can't remember if you mentioned that, sorry. Um, yeah, there's a, a great kind of uh, pitch side cam replay of that one in the, from mm. I think taken from the Bramall Lane end, yeah. It's such a big header from McGoldrick. Like, I one think of my it... favourite goals, not the best, but one of my favourite moments, I think, as United fan that. Mm, yeah, in front of the cop. Great moment, love that. Um, I'll go for another another goal at the cop end. It's the lob against Derby County on yeah. Uh, yeah. Boxing Day. Yeah, it was Boxing Day, wasn't it? Again in the promotion season. Actually, one of the best games I think I've... Um, Probably one of the best games we played under Wilder, I think. Do you know what? That that game for me changed everything, that Derby mm-hmm. game. I think that was the game that we got. We, we were serious about promotion. I think it was six. And we yeah. just like sort of... Did we lost the leads at home the week before or something like that? And um, we weren't really considered at all about automatic. And it felt like the, the atmospheres were a bit, oh, you know, we're all right, but are we going to get in the playoffs? The atmosphere changed in that game. The atmosphere in that game were absolutely fantastic. Mm. Derby obviously were above us at the time, I think. Obviously, had Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, uh, Tamora, you know, really good. And Lampard as manager, obviously. Um, and that were a fantastic performance. And that goal, obviously, the second goal, because we'd missed loads of chances. And McGoldrick yeah. in particular, in the previous weeks, I remember against Leeds, missing a couple of really good chances. And he'd not oh, really become a... He certainly went a legend by that point. And I think there were still a lot of doubts about McGoldrick. And I think that goal changed everything for him and for us that season. Yeah, it was an amazing technique. Yeah, so it was one all at that point. The crowd was definitely up because um, of the sort of circumstances around Derby's equaliser. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Fleck with a diving header, through ball in midfield. McGoldrick runs onto it and just immaculately chips the goalkeeper with a bouncing ball, lifts it over him. I love the, the crowd noise of this one as well, where probably, I don't know, like maybe every optimist in the ground started celebrating like 
once it went over the goalkeeper's yeah, head yeah, and everyone else yeah. was like, oh, is it definitely going in? I gone in. I, I thought, another miss, my gold. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, well, just before that, we, he should have had a penalty. Uh, oh, God, yeah, he got taken out like in the six-yard box. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, he also should have scored because <laughs> he shouldn't have even got to the point where Tamori got back. I think it was Tamori that made the, the, yeah. the challenge. And he should have had a pen. And I remember like being more mad with McGoldrick at the time than sort of not getting a pen. I was thinking, just why did he shoot early? What's he doing? And then he did that. And I'm like, what's he <laughs> Yeah. And now look at me, my favourite ever player. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, what else you got? Um, the, obviously, his first Premier League goals. And I think mm. sadness tinged with this one because obviously we weren't there. Uh, to witness him and obviously again another season where he missed up about a million chances <laughs> uh, the one that sticks in the mind that season is the Brighton one where he yeah. takes it from the keeper I was watching this at my mate's house and there were four of us watching and we all jumped up like yeah finally what <laughs> like because like obviously it had gone wide and we were just like what's going how's he missed and you thought he's never ever going to score meant to get the two goals against one of the best sides in the country just a shame there were no fans there really yeah, it was. I, I, I'm going to fold one of my moments into this, um, but I, I, I will just say I, I actually had the Brighton miss as one of my moments actually yeah. on my shortlist because I can see that. because of the fan reaction. I, I yeah. put myself through going back and watching it again, and when it hits the side netting, there is obviously the you know the typical heads in hands kind of thing, but almost everyone behind the goal starts applauding immediately, like all the United fans, and like you know trying to g up McGoldrick, who looks understandably devastated and then everyone's singing oh david mcgoldrick afterwards and i just thought that was that just encapsulated how what mcgoldrick meant to us i think in terms of i remember after we know his flaws but yeah. we also know what he brings to us and we really respect it i remember this season i remember seeing a lot of these the the, the part-time casual premier league fans uh who don't know anything about football but seem to comment to comment on it and there were loads of them saying, he's got to be the worst striker in the division, that David McGoldrick. Why does he keep playing him? And every United fan to a man on Twitter defended him and yeah. saying, no, I knew you don't know what you're talking about. And I can imagine realistically from their view thinking, hang on, this guy's not, you haven't scored a goal for him. What, what's going <laughs> Why are they defending him so much? And it, it was bizarre because it's weird that you sort of forgived. And even up until his final season when he missed that, he probably saved the best to last in terms of his misses, that one against Millwall, <laughs> where he's on the line and he boots it over the bar. <laughs> And uh, and uh, even then, you know, nobody people were like saying he's got a score and stuff like that, but no one had any, a bad word to say about him, really. No, absolutely not. Um, so my my other one, uh, I'm, I'm tagging on to your um, Chelsea goals. His performance, he's like one man persecution of Jorginho in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I went back and looked at my looked at my notes, and I'd. Um, I'd, I'd written down that uh, McGoldrick should get a three-match ban for the things he did to Jorginho in the game. Yeah, I remember this, you saying that, actually, yeah. yeah this yeah, is yeah. a player who... I mean, do, do I'm making this up. Jorginho won Ballon d'Or last year, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. McGoldrick ruined him. Like, he made him look like a championship player in that game. Like, you know, there was a incredible sort of feint where he sent Jorginho, like, practically into the stands and mm-hmm. he bullied him off the ball for um, for his second goal after... Uh, Maybe that was our second goal actually as well uh, in the in the two 0 win over Chelsea, three uh, 0 win yeah. over Chelsea. Um, I I just thought it was, yeah. I, I, I've tried to find because I'm sure United released like a sort of clip compilation of it 
afterwards, yeah. and I tried to find it, but I couldn't find. Just that's like got his nickname Snake Hips, isn't it? Like I mean, Snake Hips, those, yeah. For those little sort of dancing moves, he's doing. <laughs> and this is again, again, the Forest Forum. This was before I didn't include it on the pre-match view from because um, it was irrelevant to the game, but. They were talking about, obviously, the news had broke about McGoldrick coming, uh, retiring before we played the second leg. And they were all saying, oh, my God, how, how bad are their players been if, if David McGoldrick's like one of their best ever players? And, you know, how, how bad's it been for them and stuff? And it's like, I sort of get it. I sort of get people looking at it. Because I had the same misconception about McGoldrick. I thought McGoldrick, when he signed me, just an average championship striker who you put up top, win, maybe holds it up, whatever. I were a, What a skillful player. And if he could finish, he'd have been playing top 10 Premier League for, for the entirety of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just want to shout out the um, the, the quote from uh, him afterwards because uh, he was, he was, this is after the Chelsea game, he was getting ribbed by Wilder afterwards for like constantly bringing up the fact that he'd be brought in on trial like at the start <laughs> of his United career. But um, McGoldrick afterwards, he said, um, player, gaffer, staff and fans have all backed me. Get my name sung after missing chances. This mm. is a reward for them. And I think that, that ties into what I was saying about that Brighton miss as well. Just, yeah, he he knew he knew what everyone was saying about him, I think. You know, he keeps missing yep. all these ridiculously easy chances, but we all still loved him anyway. I think, um, like I say, I can laugh about it now, and I, I, but we laughed about it at the time. Like, it's true. not like... It's not as if, like in hindsight, we say, "Oh, you were all right." Where you know you were a bit daft or whatever. Even at the time, there were obviously a couple of people saying he's got to score more, understandably. But we were all basically saying, "I'd, I'd slap him in the team." I think he would. Yeah. You know, every one of us picking a team would have had him in it when he were at his peak. Absolutely. Uh, have you got any more? Uh, the first, obviously, the goal against Burnley, our last Premier League goal, mm. which. I just felt it were really nice that he got a Premier League goal in front of fans. I know it weren't... Because as, as I said earlier, it sort of ties in with the Chelsea one, where he obviously scored against Chelsea twice and there were no one there to celebrate it. Um, and that must have been pretty difficult, really. But I know it were only 2,000 fans. But for him to get a goal in front of fans in the Premier League, and I'm going to include as well that entire season in the Premier League where he was by far the best player in a yeah. terrible season. He was by far the shine. Did he get eight, nine goals? I think it was eight in the league and one in the cup, yeah. That's a fantastic return for a We scored club. almost half our goals in the league. Yeah. I would to say a club that barely scored. For him yeah. to do that that would that were absolutely fantastic. And I think he really he really deserved the goal in front of fans that season. And he, yeah. he I mean he won two players two player of the seasons out of three as well. Yeah, yeah. Says it all. Um yeah, I was uh I really enjoyed that goal as well. I was obviously there for that one. Just mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just had a massive smile on my face. I, you know, it was worth because it was expensive. That I remember saying that time, it was like, was it like thirty quid, thirty five? Yeah, because I remember you know getting hammered for it, weren't they? For the it yeah, really expensive. But at the same time, I was like, I'm going to be really disappointed if I'm not there, um, just because it's been ages since I've seen football. Mm. Anyway, that's that's by the by now. Anyway, it was um, it was worth the entry fee, like, and the weirdness of the occasion because. Even though it's not that long ago, you know, there was like 2,000 people there and we all had to sit apart and we all, you know, were supposed to wear masks all the way through. It was a very surreal experience, mm-hmm. but it was it was worth it to see McGoldrick score a Premier League goal yeah. with my own eyes. Yeah. Um, I've got, so I've, I've given you all my five. I've got a few backups, which I'll just lob out here quickly. Um, uh, the clearance off the line against Norwich in 2020. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, just kind of just as a, to illustrate that he was. He was about a lot more than uh, 
missing chances. <laughs> I was going to yeah, say a lot more yeah, than goals, yeah, yeah. but a lot more missing chances. You know what? Uh, now you've mentioned that, there's so much good defensive work he did. I remember many a time mm. him tracking back and putting tackles in. There were one against uh, Villa. I don't know if you remember. I think it were on Grealish. Mm. Where they were sort of breaking and they were a brilliant tackle. And this was in the Premier League. And yeah. you, you know, that and it was McGoldrick. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he, um, I feel like, yeah, it might have even led to one of our goals, right? Might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you might be right, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there was, there was one, maybe the second goal, the Fleck one, I think it was. Yeah, uh, the Fleck's got both, but, didn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so there's a off the line. We're, we're 1 0 up late on against Norwich. Uh, Vrancic forces this great double save from Henderson, and then McGoldrick clears it from practically underneath the bar and away with it, sort of kissing the bar on its way out. And it's it's about the only way you could have possibly kicked it without it being deflected into the net because there's a there's a Norwich player like essentially stood on him when he kicks it. And yeah, it was a, a miraculous uh, yeah. clearance. And I'm sure people could and did uncharitably suggest that only McGoldrick could clear the bar from that particular position. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was lovely. Um, anything else? Uh, no, that that's all mine thing there. To be fair, I think I had six on my list, but I'm sure there's absolutely loads. Spurs away, uh, his involvement in, involvement in the goal that eventually did count. Yeah, um, you know, just a great team move and him like dropping into space and you know, then if we were like really patient in the build up, him like dropping into midfield and like you know recycling the ball round like yeah. uh, Lundstrom and our defense and stuff, and then it was as though he suddenly went right. It's time to just just up the pace on this move a little bit and he like you know dropped his shoulder and moved away from a midfielder and then it gets I know, think that were our best performance in the Premier League away at Tottenham and I think mm-hmm. and that's saying something so I think it were better than the the 3-0 even at Chelsea simply because we went to uh, not the what's it called London Stadium what's it called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Difficult name to remember, to be fair to you. Yeah, and, they, and <laughs> bear in mind they were the... Yeah, thanks. <laughs> bear in mind they were uh, the uh, Champions League finalists the year before. Yeah. And we out, and we outplayed them pretty much for the entirety of the 90 minutes, and uh, he would probably man a match in that game as well. Yeah, no, it was it was absolutely awesome. Um, so that's it. That's, uh, those are my... I mean, there's going to be loads more that I'm sure people yeah, have. Yeah, send them um, in, yeah. Definitely, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely one of my favourite players. I'm I'm really sad that he's gone, um, and I hope he's uh, I hope his career has got you know some legs in it. Legs. Yeah, it's one of those where I hope he doesn't be in the championship again because I think it'd be really hard seeing him in another team. Mm, it would, uh, yeah. But at the same time, I'd like him to get a championship club. The dream is for him to get a League One club and pit Wednesday to promotion <laughs> <laughs> next season, maybe a playoff final or something. Yeah, but could... yeah. Absolute genuine gen. There's not many people you can say he's a genuine legend, mm. and I think he is easily, easily up there. And I think I can imagine him. You know, he's, he's a seems a well-spoken guy as well, a really nice guy and stuff like that. Hopefully, you know, when his career is over, he can come back in some sort of capacity because I think he'd be a really good ambassador for the club as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's it's rare when a play. I mean, he's only been here like what four years? Yeah, 2018. Um, it's rare when a player leaves to have this level of adulation, like from the club yeah. as well, not just the fans, but like from the club and how um, how public everything is, like the club's official messaging, and mm. you know, rather than it just being like "thank you, goodbye," you know, like here's a little statement. You know, it's all yeah. get him on the pitch, get the tribute videos going. You know, everyone's just got nothing but praise for him. We're obviously letting him uh, rehab his injury here, and there's no. Mm. You know, the Heckingbottom obviously doesn't feel that's an issue in terms of he keeping a player around 
that isn't going to be here yeah. in the future. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's unusual and just really says everything you need to know about David McGoldrick. So, one of our yes, best ever signings. So probably, I mean, this is a good debate, actually. Maybe our best ever free transfer. I'm not sure. I can't think of anyone else to stop them ahead. There's a few. John Fleck. Oh, yeah, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, I think McGoldrick and Fleck's contribution. I mean, obviously, Fleck's been here longer, so you could say he contributed more because... Mm. You were there in the League One days, but I think in the in the rise from the Championship to the Premier League, I think Fleck and Dizzy's contribution are pretty much equal. Yeah, it's a debate for sure. I, mm. uh, I completely agree. So McGoldrick leaves, uh, and he leaves us with some great memories. And yeah, I will definitely miss him. Um, two other players who we'll just touch on very briefly because we are going to do player ratings. I think probably in the next podcast. But two other players who are leaving: uh, Lise Mousset and Luke Freeman. No great surprise there, I don't think at all. No, Moose. I, th- I said to you privately today that probably the biggest waste of talent I've ever seen at United because I think that he has everything he, everything needed to be a, a top six Premier League player, and I really I do mean that. He's fast, he can finish, he's strong, he just can't be bothered, and it's a real shame. And I'm glad he's gone because you could never rely on him. But it, it, I can't think of anyone who's a bigger waste of talent than Moussa who's ever played for United because I think he could have gone right to the top yeah I think the disparity between what he could clearly do and what he actually did was so massive wasn't it yeah I mean he yeah. he played 160 minutes for Salernitana on his on his loan like in the last mm. five I think it's like 17 games he, he actually played more minutes for United this season than his loan club um, yeah. Although they did avoid relocation, so mission accomplished. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have ne- negative memories of him mm. in, in many ways because that first season in the Premier League, I know he was running for three months or whatever it was, he was ph- phenomenal for that. This is where I think you talk. I remember us, the time was ridiculous now. I remember us saying, I wonder if we could get in the France squad. You know what I mean? Because he was playing that well. He was like at one point, sort of one of the most dangerous strikers in the entire Premier League. And then, yeah, just couldn't be bothered, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like you, I don't. I don't really feel particularly negatively towards him. I, yeah, I, I'm just a bit just, sad. I think. Yeah, I, I thought. I think at the start of the season, I said if only he could play half the games this season, mm-hmm. and he played five and a half games. Like that was, you know, played I think 480 minutes. It turns out so uh, for you know for both clubs combined, so he played five and a half league games in the season. Still scored three goals, so he he still has the best goals per minute ratio of any of our strikers, including Jebison and Burke, who obviously went out on loan so yeah, yeah even better than Billy Sharp by the way better goals per minute ratio than Billy Sharp this season so yeah that kind of underlines what he does bring to the table Moussa but uh is is unfortunately ridiculously unfit or injury prone mm-hmm. so uh yeah we wave goodbye a contract extension for Chris Basham till 2024 that was a lovely bit of news wasn't it excellent to see that yes uh I think I think we've done really well with this. Is why I've got a little bit more optimism about the the the, the, the entirety of like the next season and stuff. We seem to be making pretty sensible decisions. I think. Mm. So um, presumably you've, you're including uh, the one year extensions for Osborne and Jack Robinson in that. Exactly well, right? that. Yeah, I think giving Basham two makes sense because he's he's we know he's fit. I think he's, I don't think he's been fully fit towards the end of the season. This is another thing I'll, I'll sort of praise the team for mm. is that I think that they've played through injuries. I think Baldock's not been fully fit. I think Basham's been fully fit. I think Basham will proper pre-season be back to it. I think he deserves a two-year contract. And I think it's sensible to give Osborne and Robinson a one-year. I know Robinson's done fantastically well. He definitely deserves a an extension. I know people aren't really that keen on Osborne, but just the fact he can play every every position 
yeah. means that he's probably possibly saving you two or three other wages. Yeah, and I, I really, I really like that it's a one-year contract for both of yeah. those. You know, like yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not going to be on the hook for years here if it turns out that you know Robinson's last six months are a flash in the pan or something like that, mm. and he reverts to how he was before that. Like, yeah. it's, it's not really a big deal. But also, no, 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 no. Also, you get the, you know, they get the advantage of like both of those are playing for a contract again next season. You know, they're, yeah. they're both going to be super motivated to show what they can do essentially, and also. Mm. With it just being a year, it probably suggests they're okay. Osborne particularly is okay being a backup. Like we've not committed yeah. to him as like okay, he's on first team of money. I wouldn't have thought. No. Um, and yeah, maybe Robinson's. I mean, Jack Robinson. Uh, excuse me, Jack O'Connell's obviously miles away from fitness, but presumably he has an understanding that we will probably bring in another central defender to put, who can play on the left. I'm sure we yeah. will. Yeah. And yeah, he yeah. might get displaced, but yeah, it's yeah. I I, I like that it's a year. I think. Two years for either of those, I probably would be like. Mm, I agree. I this know. is why I think it is good, and I think we are making more sensible decisions. I saw people say, "Well, it's only a year because the parachute payments run out after a year." Maybe that's so, but it's still a sensible decision. Because... Well, yeah, exactly. If that is the case, then great. We just say goodbye to them and uh, you know find cheaper replacements. Yeah, and I think Basham on two year makes sense as well because we know how fit he is, and he's a, he's been a first teamer for what ten years or whatever it'll be by the time he finishes. And even if he's not first choice, and bringing someone better. It's always good having someone like Chris Basham around. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so we'll probably talk about most of those players in a bit more detail on the next podcast. We are running out of time, so we're going to wrap mm. up here. Um, so, yeah, what in terms of what comes next, we're going to do, I think, player ratings. We'll do that next week, maybe, if uh, if that's enough time for you to... Uh, yeah, that's absolutely fine by me, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got a mental note. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's going to be some uh, some high scores and some very, very, very low scores. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll probably do season awards as well. We have had uh, a few people suggest that we should do some more memorable matches as well. Um, which, uh, yeah, if anyone's uh, missed those, we did them. <laughs> we did them last season when we got bored of watching United lose without scoring. <laughs> uh, essentially, yeah. we, uh, we 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 spent an episode sort of drilling into a memorable match from United's past, and uh, you know, rewatching it, giving um, coming up with some. Uh, fairly interesting and unusual bits of research for it as well. So, if anyone's got any suggestions of something we've not done, and uh, it'll need to be a, a game I've seen, so anything pre '95, I probably won't have any yeah. recollection of. I don't think. Um, but yeah, any any others of that, and we've got a few other a few other ideas percolating as well that I've run past you, which I think will uh, will tide us through the summer, mate. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to try and stick to fairly regular podcasts through the summer, but. Um, Obviously, if there's if there's now happening, we probably won't uh, won't bother wasting everybody's time. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll find things to if talk Forest about. Lose, well, fine, we'll have a celebratory drunk <laughs> podcast just for. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've really still got nothing against Forest other than uh, the fact that they've been idiots since uh, since <laughs> since this this season. It seems where they've got very arrogant. So. Mm. And unlike the so I, we went through uh, a bit of moral not moral what's the word. Uh, a little bit of like, do we want the short term uh, gain for the long term pain? Yesterday, in yeah. terms of, do we want Burnley to come down? Or do we want Leeds yeah, to come yeah. down? And Leeds would unquestionably have been funnier, but um, yeah, I think it's probably better for us to have Burnley in our division next season. I was probably the only Leeds. person who wanted Everton to go down above Leeds. 
It's I mean, a, you're probably also probably the only person who wanted Wickham to come up instead of Sunderland. Do you want to? I did want Wickham to come up uh, for a couple of reasons. I can't remember what they were now, but they were. A <laughs> okay, so sure. I'll give them to you because I was like, "You are a madman," and I asked for your yeah. logic. Uh, the first was you think it will be harder for Wednesday to get promoted from That's League it. One next season if Sunderland in it. it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one was uh, you. You are a sicko, and you wanted to see what the atmosphere would be like with Ainsworth back at Bramall Lane. I do want to see Ainsworth back at the Lane because I'm really intrigued to see what it's going to be like. I saw mm. it's, oh, it's horrible on Twitter at the moment. Like Jim White put this tweet out saying, Ugh. "Oh, one of the nice guys of football." It's like you He's know nothing, Jim White. Yeah, no, you know, no, no wonder Mike Parry had a go at you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think um, I, yeah, and I also think that um, Wickham coming up. Would have been easier as well next season. I don't expect Sunderland to to, to mount a promotion challenge or anything, but I think Wickham would have been a much easier game than Sunderland will be. Yeah, uh, I've, I've tangented tangented all over the place here, but my my thing with Forest is uh, I don't think they're automatically going to be great again next season if they don't go up because they'll lose Brennan Johnson for sure. Yeah. As you said, they have four or five starting caliber players on loan. Who knows what happens to Cooper? You know, maybe he jumps ship for the first, you know, decent Premier League job if Everton have a, a bad start again next season, which is not unlikely with Frank Lampard there. So, um, yeah, to me, uh, it, I almost would rather have Forrest in our division next season than Huddersfield, to be honest. Just cause... I've seen a lot of people say if they don't go up, that's it. They've won the league next season. If they get the no. loans back, I think they've got a fantastic chance. I think there's a very little chance from getting all those loans back. They might sign Dolcim, as I call him. Keenan because he's all over his limbs are all over you just can't get do you know like when you used to play street fight you didn't really know what buttons were at first he said, I'll pick Dolcim because he's got longest arms you can't get near the man I always used to play Dolcim as well that's when you reminds me of Keenan Davis like just sort of this he's a character but yeah I think I mean look Cooper's a really good manager I think they probably will be up there again next season but I don't think it's it'd be a massive ask to get five loans as good as they got you, I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen you as angry as you were when Keenan Davis came on the other night. Yeah, like, I just thought it was really unfair. <laughs> How but... is he allowed? You're shouting at the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at our bench, it's like, I mean, we were talking, saying, do you think it's time for a Sula? And they bring Keenan Davis on. It's like, this is just not fair. What's going on? Yeah, it's like three times the size of all our other players, including <laughs> our centre-backs, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah, it's almost like they give him a free roll when it like just just go and get the ball. Like, I don't care where the ball is, just go and get the ball and then just dribble past everybody. Yeah, maybe we can have him next season. Why not? Eh? Yeah, you never know, do you? Yeah, <laughs> you never know. But yeah, right, mate, let's... definitely the best player we've seen this season. I think personally. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. We'll have to uh, mm. we'll have to include that in a postseason pod. I think. Um, what you, you got to plug? There's a new a new Maidley came out last week, and you've got another one in the can as well. Haven't yeah, you? overrated TV. We've alienated loads of people, um, including me, including you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know which one it were, but I think. Well, all yeah, of them, really. All of them. All, <laughs> no, not all of them. Certainly, uh, certainly two or three. Yeah, so t- TV that we find overrated, and we have Gladiators already in the can, ready to go. Um, so really, I really enjoyed doing that one, Gladiators. Um, so yeah, that that'll be coming out probably this week at some point. Um, and I'm I'm going to try and do my end of season awards for Roy's View from as well. I'm mm. going to wait until after the playoff final um, because. There's a clear winner for most arrogant fans, but if they go up, then <laughs> uh, then he's probably their arrogance has been justified. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we should talking of arrogant fans. Um, we should mention. I don't think 
uh, we've recorded since Sheffield Wednesday were confirmed that they're going to be in League One again next season. So no, no, it just no. softened. It took a little bit of pressure off us, didn't it? I think as a fan. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of Wednesday fans that were. I like, want to come and goes. Oh, whoops! Where was like? He actually came up and he said, I've uh, got one word for you. And I said, what, League One? And he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is two words, but, you know, slow yeah, words. I like it, yeah. And, and, uh, and then he went, no, whoops. And I'm like, well, it could be worse. I was like, you know, we lost to Forest. You might lose to Forest Green next. It's all banter, innit? It's all good. <laughs> it's all good stuff. It is, especially when they're in League One and uh, we're in the division above. So, um, yes. yeah, we'll take it. But anyway, that is uh, Living With Maidley's the podcast that uh, Andrew is involved with, co-hosts with uh, the excellent Liam. Looking forward to that Gladiators one. And yeah, Roy'sViewFrom.com. You can follow Andrew at Panchero on Twitter. Follow me at BladesPod. And uh, yeah, I think that's it, mate. We will uh, we will be back with our player ratings next week, I do believe. So thank you very much for uh, tolerating me postponing this podcast uh, multiple times there, mate. I do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, for getting this one uh, recorded in your evening. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, sir.